we know who we are in Christ. We know our true divine nature. And again, we say in 1 John 4, 4 language that he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. Therefore, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. On our last broadcast, we return to our study of the Gospel of John. It's an extensive study with deep insights that are beneficial to anyone who desires a deeper walk with Jesus. All of these past programs can be found on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. But today, David continues with part two of his message called, Our Helper. Now let me unpack this word helper a little more. It's not just that, oh, you've got a little dab of help here that Jesus is going to give you to make it through the tough times. No, you're talking about the third person of the Godhead. One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who will come now and not only help you through those difficult times, he's going to be the one who walks alongside you no matter where you go. God's going to be with you no matter what problem you may face. And not only that, he's going to be in you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, before he ascended to heaven, lo, I'm going to be with you always to the close of the age, inside of you, indwelling you to give you that power that you need to face no matter what. And also, this term helper can be translated advocate. It is a legal term. Um, It implies a defense attorney. Now, why is that important? Because every single one of us who give our lives to Jesus, we have an enemy of our soul. He hates us especially. Now, he hates everybody in the world. He just wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything. He is the source of all evil in the world. God is not the source of evil. The enemy, that rebellious, angelic person named Satan, is the one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. That's what Jesus said in John 10. 10. He gave us Satan's job description. And one of his methods to cripple and paralyze you and me as we walk with Jesus is accusations. He speaks into our mind. And he uses the law mostly to show how we've broken the law and disappointed God. And especially when bad things happen to us, here's how he whispers. You deserve this. It's your fault. God hates you. And that's what Paul meant when he said the power of sin is the law. Satan's got to have the law to accuse you. Because with the law, God's moral standard, we do sometimes break it. And when we do, he whispers accusations against us to cripple our walk with Jesus. But when that happens, you need to know, the one who lives inside of you, the helper, the advocate, here's what he whispers in return. You're forgiven. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of the works of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our wrong living and how we have misused what God has given us and we're speaking lies instead of truth. And see, in this culture, this is so important, folks. Now listen to me. Please listen to me. In this culture of microaggressions where people feel like they need safe places because they don't want to be hurt in any way, I understand that. I don't want to hurt anybody. But if I preach the true gospel, If I preach the truth of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a movement of the Holy Spirit in your heart to convict you of your sin, unrighteousness, and your judgment one day before the throne of God, and that's not going to feel good. It's not necessarily going to feel good. And so conviction of sin is a gift from God to drive you to the cross of Calvary. Quit trying to hide from it, and when you hear a preacher proclaiming the truth that convicts you of your sin, Don't accuse him of being insensitive. 
Go to the scripture and see that's one of the major works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, regarding sin, Jesus said, because that's important to help you understand the whole idea that you're a sinner. Look, in our world, we have two kinds of people. We have people either who believe they're basically good and occasionally do bad things, or people who are basically bad, selfish, and occasionally do good things because the image of God is stamped on their lives. Which one is biblical? I hope you said number two, because number one, the Bible continually says there's no one righteous, not one. Uh, all have sinned and fall far short of the glory of God. We are basically selfish people. It's called original sin. It's passed on from child to child to child to child. If you don't believe that, have a child. See that they are inherently selfish. They want the world to revolve around them. We parents have to teach our children to do right, to do good, because they are basically wired to have the world revolve around themselves. And we just have children who grow up to be that kind of an adult who basically thinks, oh, I'm good, I'm okay, and I don't need a Savior. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit's purpose is to show us that we are sinners. And folks, the major sin, and interestingly, you could say here concerning sin, in the Greek it is the sin. There's actually an article before it. The major sin is the rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's the only unpardonable sin. Everything else can be forgiven. Whomever you slept with, uh, if you've gone through a, a horrible, painful divorce, if you've stolen money, if you've murdered someone, all of those things are forgivable. The only unforgivable sin is the rejection of Jesus forgiveness and when that happens you are in a state of unable to receive conviction from the Holy Spirit it's the unpardonable sin it's the seared conscience and that's the one thing that can't be forgiven but Jesus said the Holy Spirit's purpose is to convict you of sin and especially the sin that you need a savior secondly the Holy Spirit's purpose is to convict you of righteousness now most people believe they're basically good people and therefore they're righteous people and when I talk to people today about well how do you know you're righteous they basically say I'm righteous because I think I'm righteous and their standard for righteousness is basically where they live. And then anybody who's unrighteous is probably right below where they are. Same thing in the prison systems. Uh, those who have uh, committed uh, thievery, uh, they say, well, I'm bad, but not as bad as the murderer. Uh, the murderer says, well, I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as the child molester. And the child molester is the worst of the worst in the prison system. But everybody's got their standard of righteousness. And Jesus says one of the things the Holy Spirit convicts us of is the standard of righteousness is Jesus. It's his perfect life. And when all of us place our lives in the mirror of Jesus' perfect life, we know we fall far short of his glory and we are convicted of our sins. When Jesus presented himself to the Father, he was declared righteous. And what's so beautiful is if he lives then in us, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin, went to the cross and took all the sins of the world upon himself so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And when the Father looks at us in the forgiveness of Jesus, we are declared righteous by Him. And that's one of the works of the Holy Spirit, to help us not fall and keep moving forward. And also, judgment. Judgment. Not a popular preaching style, but I'll go ahead and say it. You're going to face the eternal God of the universe one day, and you're going to be judged for your sins. How you've lived your life. You're going to appear before the Father and if you've accepted Jesus, your sins have been forgiven, and you go to heaven. 
But if you appear before him and your sins are unforgiven, his judgment sends you to hell. Now, that doesn't make me a popular preacher, but I didn't come up with the idea of hell. And the Holy Spirit's supposed to convict your hearts that that's the only place you can go if you don't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The truth says there's either a heaven or a hell, and you're going to one of those places, and receiving Jesus is whether that happens or not. And it's your decision. But the Holy Spirit's work is to convict you of your sin so that you will receive the righteousness of Christ and be forgiven and go to heaven. And then interestingly concerning judgment too, because the judge of the ruler of this world has been judged, um, that's talking about Satan. That on the cross, the ruler of this world was declared guilty. He has no power over you. If the helper indwells you, that means Satan has no power over you. That he may be a roaring lion who prowls around looking for someone to devour, as 1 Peter says. But you need to know, if you love Jesus, he's a toothless lion. He can only roar. He can only intimidate you. Now, some of you are letting him gum you to death with his intimidations and fears. Fear is no part of the life of the believer. We live in faith. We live in the joy and the presence of the Lord. And Jesus said here clearly what John says in 1 John 4, 4, that he who lives in you is greater than he who lives in the world. That through judgment, you've been declared not guilty. Satan has no more power over you. He has been judged. You are free to live in the glorious beauty of a relationship with Jesus. And verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And that's still true. We'll see in the latter part of chapter 16 and chapter 17, Jesus still has many more things to tell them, but he can probably tell their heads are spinning right now and they can't handle a whole lot more at the moment. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes. Now notice he's called the spirit of truth. Now folks, I'm going to go through the Bible with you in January, like I said, John 17, 17, that we'll look at in just a little bit, says that Jesus said, sanctify them with your truth, Lord. Your word is true. So I want to teach you the word of God. Jesus said, that's the truth. And when the spirit of truth intersects with the truth of the word of God, you'll know truth. You live in a culture where progressivism is trying to deny truth. Progressive Christianity is infiltrating the church and trying to take over. It's denying truth. Dear friends, two plus two equals four. There are still truth claims that are valid for all times. And we have to believe them today to continue to grow closer to Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Now, when you know Jesus and his Holy Spirit of truth indwells you, and then you allow that true Holy Spirit to intersect the truth of God's word, you know, for example, and we'll study this in January as I walk through Genesis chapter 1, that there are two genders. You know that marriage in chapter 2 of Genesis is between a man and a woman. You know that the binary truths that Western civilization has held true by looking at what makes societies prosper that that truth must be there for the society to continue to prosper. And anybody who feels hurt in the microaggressions, we need to be sensitive and caring toward them, but we need to speak the truth, Ephesians 4.15, in love. We need to care for them and love them and understand the hurts in their hearts while also proclaiming in a very loving way what the truth is because the truth 
in John 8 will set you free. If you continue to live in a lie, you'll live in that bondage of believing that if I'm a woman, I'm a man, and ultimately you make those decisions to cut your body, and then you come back in some number of months or years later, and it's happening in multiple numbers of people. They're regretting those decisions of having surgery upon their bodies because they believed a lie. And if you will just continue to trust Jesus and let the Holy Spirit work in your heart, every study shows that teenagers who walk through gender dysphoria at the time of the end of their teenage years return to their gender origin. They they believe what God says about them. And, And that's why, folks, we've got to believe the truth of God's Word and our identity is completely in Him. And the Holy Spirit who lives in us, Romans 8, 29, conforming us to the image of Jesus, when that happens, we have our feelings start being conformed to what Jesus says is truth. And we've got to let the Spirit of truth guide us in every possible way. Know this helper is called the Spirit of truth. And when He comes, Jesus said, He will guide you into all truth. He will. If you will continue to focus on Jesus, draw close to Jesus, let him mold you into his image. If you will do that, he will lead you into all truth about all situations and subjects. And also, if you go back to John 14, verses 16 and 17 right now, you also can remember Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes upon you, his disciples, these 11, he'll bring to your mind the remembrance of all that I've taught you, that the Holy Spirit gave to these 11 an incredible ability to remember everything that Jesus taught. And that's why the New Testament from Matthew through Revelation, mostly given to these disciples, The truth of what Jesus taught was brought back to them and they were able to write it down in specific truth so that the words of the New Testament are the words of Jesus. And if Jesus is God, the New Testament is the word of God. It is that simple why we believe in its authority. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his authority, though he could as the third person of the Godhead. He speaks on the authority of the Father and the Son who tells him what to say. And one of the gifts the Holy Spirit's going to give some people is the gift of prophecy, the gift of being able to see the future. We've seen some abuse of that in the most recent election. People who were absolutely convinced Trump was going to win and said so in a prophetic way. They were wrong. The proof of the prophecy is if the prophecy comes true. But there are some true prophets who can see ahead and will be given insights just like the Old Testament prophets were in i.e. the destruction of Jerusalem and the captivity that ultimately happened. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, He, the Spirit of truth, the Helper, will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit, folks, He's the silent sovereign. He doesn't want any attention. He has one job, to glorify Jesus. He has one job, to point people to Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you should be the most humble person in the world. You have his heart as your heart. All you want to do is point people to Jesus. In my life, I'm nothing. I'm a big screw up. I have so many flaws. And yet Jesus continues to mold me into his image. And the only thing I want to do in my life for however many years the Lord leads me here is to point people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit just wants to glorify Jesus. And he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So all the Father has is Jesus. All that Jesus has is the Father. They share it with the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the helper, the advocate, he'll come and live inside of us. He will conform us to the truth of what God intends. And we will have then a strength that lives inside of us that will allow us to face 
any potential falling, to face any rejection that may come our way, any potential death that may come our way, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us will give us the promised strength of Jesus to keep moving forward. We may hear those accusations from the devil. We cast them aside because we know who we are in Christ. We know our true divine nature. And again, we say in 1 John 4, 4 language that he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. Therefore, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me, Romans 8, 37. That no weapon formed against me will prosper, Isaiah 54, 17. No condemnation is for those who are in Christ Jesus, and I live in the power of the Spirit, facing whatever may come my way as a victorious person, not as a victim, because Christ lives in me through the power of the Helper, the Holy Spirit. That is his person, that is his work, his purpose is to glorify Jesus. So in the end of this message, I glorify Jesus as well. My Savior, my Lord, my King. If you don't know him today, please accept him as Lord and Savior. There is a judgment. You will appear before the Father one day and be held accountable for your work. And if you don't love Jesus, you are facing condemnation. Are those hard words? Absolutely. But the Holy Spirit uses hard words to convict you so that you can then experience the grace, mercy, loving kindness of Jesus. And when he enters your heart, you have a new nature. You're no longer the same. The old has passed away. Oh, dear friends, if you don't know him today, I beg you, I plead with you to receive him. All you have to do is bow your head and say, I've really messed it up, Lord Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. I believe in your cross. And I ask you now to come into my life. And the Holy Spirit will now and begin the process of making you a new person. I pray this in the name of Jesus, my, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with a discussion about God's ultimate forgiveness. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, uh, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Thomasboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the, the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now 
This week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up, all the meals were shipped to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope. And we just pray an unlimited return and harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great being with you as well, Jen. Well, we're using this time together this week to talk about how to reflect well and how to look forward with hope. So what are your thoughts for us today? Well, as we think about 2021, many of us will think about mistakes that we have made and go, ah, you know, feel some guilt about that. And all I want to say to people today is simply this, you're forgiven forever. You're forgiven forever that Jesus' forgiveness for you wasn't momentary. It wasn't just for a day or even a few months. It was forever. And people say, but what about sins I've committed since I came to faith in Jesus? That's where I love 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and forgives you of all unrighteousness. You go back to that fountain filled with the grace of Jesus, and you drink from it again and again. The truth is, Jen, even those of us who have been forgiven and have a new nature of Jesus living inside of us, we still mess up. Mm -hmm. We still have moments when we live in this broken world with these broken bodies and broken relationships that we need forgiveness anew. Now, we go back and drink from that fountain filled with the grace of Jesus, but here's the one key. We don't use that grace, abuse that grace to continue to sin. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul talked a lot about the power of grace. And then he would add to it, hey, I'm not teaching this so that you can continue to sin. Mm -hmm. If you really love Jesus and know his love for you, you're going to try in every way not to sin. But when you do, you go back to that grace-filled fountain, and that is such good news Mm -hmm. because you know that you're forgiven forever, that that forgiveness lasts not just for a day but for a lifetime. I love this so much, and I really like that you pointed out, confess one to another. And in these times with the pandemic kind of just hanging over us, a lot of people have become isolated, but it is imperative to get with people for this very reason, to confess one to another so that we can be set free. Right. In the Catholic tradition, you've got to go to the priest and confess your mortal sins. And if not, there's the potential you could maybe even lose your salvation if indeed that can happen. I don't think it can. But I think in James 5 language, that context of confess your sins is not to a priest, it's to one another. Mm -hmm. It's to other members of the body of Christ. So, Jen, you can do that with your husband, Chris. I can do that with my wife, Marilyn. You can do it with other friends in the body of Christ. And obviously, we can then pronounce forgiveness to one another. Mm -hmm. That if you came to me and asked that, not in a pastor-friend relationship, but just as two friends, I could act in a priestly fashion and say, Jen, in the name of Jesus, your sins are forever forgiven. It's just something we need to take advantage of more and more, I think, Mm -hmm. in the body of Christ to help continue to set us free from the bondages of sin and death. I love this, and I like that we're talking about it now at the end of this year and looking forward to a brand new year, almost like a clean slate before us without any baggage. Don't take the baggage with you. (laughs) Snip it off. Let it fall to the ground. Let it fall deep in the valley. Be free to climb this new mountain without that baggage on your heart. And remember this as well. Clara Barton one time hurt somebody really 
badly, and she went to that person and confessed her sins to them, and that person said, you know, I distinctly remember forgetting that. Mm. And I think that's God as well. Mm. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. He distinctly remembers forgetting your sin. Folks, that's good news. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Jen. And everyone, enter 2022 with a fresh heart, a clean slate, and know that even should you mess up in 2022, nope, you will mess up in 2022. God's forgiveness is forever. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moment of Hope delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for wisdom in this coming new year.